Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
I'm a little bit off my game, but uh, maybe we'll sit around and tell some stories. Um, I currently don't have a screener, so um, we'll see how that goes. I may end up just playing uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, roulette, and we'll pick callers, put them online, and see if they want to talk. Um, otherwise, hopefully, our amazing screener, Mary, will show up and uh, be a part of this. However, she's up in Northern California, and um, I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but um, it's on fire. We're, uh, we're on fire right now. I have the Holy Gym fire probably less than 20 miles from my house. Right now, the sky is uh, dark. There's ashes in the air. I went outside for a little while, and, you know, we've been dealing with 110 triple digits for, I don't know, two, three weeks in a row. And I go out now, and it's uh, well below 100 degrees. Um, it looks like it's... <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to have one of those days. It looks like our live feed is... Dropping off already. God damn it. All right. Let's try this again. Maybe we'll have better luck this time. I'm going to try another live feed here. We're going to get this show going one way or the other. I've got callers on the line, and you know what? We're going to we're gonna give this live feed a try. Let's, let's see what happens. Let's do this one more time. Let's take a minute to wind the show up today if we need to, and uh, let's just give it a try. All right, we're accessing. We're going live. Three, two, one. And here we go, live on the air. Okay. Now, we're live anyways, no matter what, on the on the podcast. So those of you that are have called in, uh, you're good to go. We'll have a full record of the show as it is. If it happens to uh, blink off and on as it has done in the past, uh, there's not really anything I can do to control that. That's the live feed on Facebook, which, of course, you know how much I'm all about Facebook. Um, anyways, we're talking about the fires. And, uh, you know, California is on fire right now. I know a number of people who have lost their homes. I know a great number of people that are in danger of losing their homes. Uh, like I said, the flames are, are 20 miles away from my house right now, and, and uh, if I go outside, uh, it's raining ashes everywhere. Luckily, there's not a, a lot of winds going on, and hopefully they'll get a handle on it. But, you know, it's it's been dry. We didn't get any rain this year. So <clears throat> as much as last year we did get a lot of rain, um, what it does here in California, as it gets all the low-lying vegetation to grow, the grasses and the, the sagebrushes and that sort of thing, and, um, you know, then when it uh, gets dried out, that's the first stuff to go. And it's all tinder. It's all uh, kindling. So we're dealing with that right now. All over California, the, the states, 
largest wildfire in its history is ablaze up in Northern California right now. And it's in an area that has historically grown cannabis. Um, oh, we got Becca, Becca on the line, so we do have a screener. Good job. Thank you, Becca. Glad you're here. Anyways, um, you know, the Emerald Triangle and Humboldt County and Trinity County and Lake County and uh, a lot of the northern Cal Shasta County and um, a lot of the area significantly north of Sacramento is uh, is ablaze right now. And, of course, people are calling me right now because I'm on the radio. Um, gotta love that, everybody that, uh, I've only been doing this show for five years now. <laughs> I guess I have moved it around a couple of times. I've only been doing it on Wednesdays for two years. So, no reason that anybody should be paying attention to that. I, I'm glad that we've got people on the line. I'm glad that we've got people watching, um, you know, I'm a little bit frustrated today, so this could either be an interesting show or an uncomfortable show. Um, it is what it is. This is a war that we're in, people. And whether you understand it or not, whether you're in a legal place or not, it really doesn't matter. Do you know that the only people in California that are legal are people that are getting their cannabis or growing it from a licensed legal grow and manufacturing their product in a licensed legal manufacturing. No, Kyle, it wasn't you today. <laughs> it was somebody I care a lot about, and I know she's having a hard time, and she's probably wondering if I'm okay in the fire. So we'll just let that one go today. But, yeah. Um, so if you're, if you're getting your cannabis from a licensed legal grow, which there are some, and you're manufacturing your products in a licensed legal lab or manufacturing facility, and you're distributing your products from a licensed legal distributor, and you're going through all of the testing bullshit, which isn't working out very well for most people right now, um, and then you're able to sell to a licensed legal dispensary, everybody paying their taxes along the way. And guess what? Everything and everybody else, aside from a few medical loopholes, is illegal. There are more criminals today acting criminally, being illegal in California, than probably at any time I can think of. You know, when it was completely illegal, there weren't businesses out there selling stuff, making stuff. People would make their own stuff for themselves. They would grow their own plants for themselves. They would do what they needed to for themselves and their loved ones and the people they knew. But short of that, it wasn't an industry, a completely illegal industry with very, very few exceptions. Yeah, there's a few licensed places and a few licensed manufacturers and some licensed business being done. That's the legal part. Everything else, no, no. That's what happens when we're legal. Now, are the stakes the same as they used to be? No. People aren't going to jail nearly as much as they were, and, and they're certainly not um, in jeopardy the same way that they were, especially not when I was going through it. Um, but you can still lose your property. 
you can still lose your money, you can still lose your freedom, you can still lose your job, you can still lose your kids, you can still lose all the same stuff. I don't know. How is it that we're okay with that? Why do we continue to tout legislation that does the same shit wherever we go? Every time I turn around, there's another activist going, we're there, we've got a bill on the ballot, we're going to pass legalization, legalize it. I keep seeing this and hearing this, and I keep thinking to myself, when are we going to learn? When are we going to learn? Or are we that weak and that, I don't know, sad, pathetic, that that's going to be okay? And we're okay being oppressed, having the thumb put down on our back, having the jackboots up against the small of our back, saying, you stay down there, boy, because that's what they do to you. And then when they do pick you up because you didn't have the right piece of paper sitting on your right piece of thing, whatever it might have been, everybody goes, well, he wasn't legal. Everybody's okay with it now. I don't know why... There's so few people that seem to see that. In some ways, I feel like it's harder for us today to get to the finish line than it might have been 10 years ago. I don't get it. But you know who does get it? Craig Cecil gets it. All the guys still locked up, they get it. The picture behind me, Aaron Sandusky. He's a friend of mine. He's locked up. He gets it. He was following state law, but guess what? Federal law hasn't changed one iota, not one lick. It doesn't matter whether the Congress has funded the DEA's activities today or not. If you know anything about law enforcement, they know how to get funds. They do what they want to do. If you've ever been attacked, raided, uh, uh, accused, charged, incarcerated, any of those things, if that's happened to you, then you know. Oh, yeah, they're funded. They make it happen. They make it work when it's when when they want to. Yeah, they're not hitting everybody today the way they were last week, last month, last year, but, oh, they're still hitting people. And it seems to me that there just isn't pushback today that there was because it's legal, because people are making money at it. And I don't have a problem with that. I never have. I've never had a problem with anybody making money on anything. Who cares? You know, that's the big hang-up right now. In California, before, for 20-odd years, from 1996 to 2016 or 2018 when it actually came into play, it was all about the nonprofit. You had to be not making money. That was the only thing that was okay. And if you were making money, God dang it, you were a criminal. That's what they charged me with. I had a dispensary. Following California state laws, it was determined more than once. But what was their charges? Selling a plant. Selling a plant, making money. That's what my big crime was. Well, now it's not like that at all. That's the opposite of that. Now not only are you expected to make money, but you better make it the right way so you can give the government what they're supposed to be getting. All of a sudden, that's the big thing. How did that go from one side to the other? It seems to be a polar opposite. It seems to be 
the exact opposite. But it's okay. Everybody's in. I don't see any uproar. Not one bit. And it's not just that in California. It's it's similar in other places. So, yeah, I'm a little frustrated. We're going to talk about today how it is, why it is that we haven't ended prohibition. <coughs> There's a lot of kinds of people in this army, in this war, in this battle, in this epic um, generational struggle. It goes back to some very, very rich and powerful people oppressing some people that were just living their lives. You know, they didn't really have enemies of of the people. They have enemies of the plant because it was the plant that threatened them, not the people. However, they didn't go after the plant, not really. <coughs> they went after the people. And when they started going after the people, they realized, uh, undoubtedly, that that was a resource to be harvested. And if you follow your history, you'll realize that after alcohol prohibition ended, all of a sudden there was a whole bunch of people with nothing to do. Magically, the precursor to the DEA was formed. All of a sudden, now they had something to do. And, and if you really follow the history and you follow the money, you see what this is all about. I'm assuming most of the people listening to the show know the history. I'm not here to give you guys a history lesson. But I am here to give you a recent history lesson. In the last 10 years, it's all coming up on 10 years of the Human Solution International being an organization, a grassroots, nonprofit, all-volunteer organization dedicated to ending prohibition, not legalizing, not reforming, none of that weak-ass shit. None of that makes a difference if society doesn't change. And yeah, society changes on some level. We got stores here and there, but they pop up and they go down, and the ones that are licensed are few and far between. There's a hell of a lot more that aren't than are anywhere you go. And that's where we're at today. I don't know that we're closer to ending prohibition today than when we started. It seems that way, but I think the last mile is going to be a whole lot thicker and harder to tunnel through than the first one. I think the wall is, we're down at the base of that wall, and it's full of rebar and concrete and stone. And um, I don't know that the, there's enough will of the people to really knock it down. I know I'm not going to quit. I know there's a handful of people, but I know that uh, I've watched people come and people go. I've watched the kind of people that come and they pledge their support. They come in. There's leaders. Most of the leaders I've seen in, in this organization or in this movement are people that have um, either people that lead by example, people that lead the fight, typically because they are fighting for themselves. I was one of those. I was a reluctant leader. I didn't want to be in the front lines of this mess, but they drug me into it, and when they did, I accepted the challenge. And I says, all right, I'm going to back up what I said, and let's go. Who's with me? And I kept going, and I kept going, and, and we, we built. Whatever became the human solution came out of my case and a few others. And I've watched leaders rise and fall. 
most of them, when their cases end, the leadership goes away. The desire to lead goes away when your case is over for some reason. And I understand what it takes out of you. I've been through it. Six years I went through it. I come out with a bunch of bloody hamburger. And I'm not saying I'm special by any stretch. I'm special in a twisted, friggin' mutant kind of way, absolutely. And so are most of those that I'm closest with. But that mutant freakness about us is the part that says, you know what, we're not going to give up. We're going to keep punching until we're done. And that's what's going on. So we got Craig Cecil. Clearly, Prohibition's not over because he's still serving life in federal prison for pot right now at this moment. Let's see what he has to say. Hello, Craig Cecil. How are you doing today? Hello, Joe. We're a little sticky in Indiana. It's been staying around 90 degrees, but the humidity, it's been raining every two or three days, so the humidity is about 80 or 90 percent usually. Well, it's a little sticky here. (laughs) It cooled off. I'll take that rain out here. We're on fire. The whole state's on fire right now. I got flames burning about 20 miles from my house right now. It's, uh... Oh, I'm sick. Yeah, Is it smoky there? Oh, yeah, ashes are falling all over the place. Uh, it's overcast. I mean, it, it's overcast with smoke and ash. Um, you know, it, it, it's been 100-plus degrees for the last two weeks, but right now it's probably in the low 90s because of all the uh, the ash covering the sun right now. So it's, uh, it's some scary shit going on right now. A lot of... Uh, I know a, a number of people who've lost their homes, and I know uh, a, a lot of people who are in danger of just doing that. Yeah, I hear it's a mess out there. Here, the only reason that the number of fires are, are going down is that a bunch of the fires are actually merging with each other, so two fires are becoming one. Exactly. Yeah, we have currently right now burning the largest fire in California's history. So we're, we are we are making history right now at this moment. The, the two of the big fires merged, and they became literally the biggest fire in California history. Crazy, crazy, crazy times right now. Well, maybe there's something to be said for the plains here, where it's uh, we don't have any mountains to look at or anything. It's totally flat and corn everywhere, and corn doesn't make for very big fires. So no, no. We're pretty good shape there. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I, you know, I, I like, I love California. I love the, uh, I love the topography. I love the, the wilderness. And, and in spite of the fires and the earthquake, I, I, I would never see any place I'd rather live. Um, but, you know, when this, when this stuff comes down, it's, it's brutal. Well, the only thing that I've been noticing over the course of this week. Is the uh, the Bureau of Prisons population has went down uh, fairly significantly. It went from about 218,000 uh, prisoners down to right now it's 183,000 prisoners. Wow, that's, so that's a, big a drop. big drop. Yeah, it's you know almost a 20% drop. And actually, with federal employees, they haven't laid off any of them. So we still have the same amount of staff we did when. You know, the institution was full. 
this institution has a couple of cell blocks that are empty, and uh, from what I'm hearing, just about all of them do. The odd part is, it's like medical services and things of that nature, they seem to be doing less, with less, even though they have less people to treat. So that's the part I can't figure out. I, I think they have more leisure time, and they're, they're even extending that. Let's call it Somerset Little Prison. They're just not treating inmates that, that need treatment for different things. It, it's really, really kind of surprising to me. I thought as the institutions, you know, as the population waned in here, that we, you know, the food served would be better, you know, because they have less people to serve, and, you know, the medical services and dental services and that would be better, but really just the opposite has happened. I just, I, I don't know how to explain that. But, well, you know, it's not bad enough that our tax dollars are going to incarcerate a lot of people that probably don't need to be incarcerated, probably are better served, us as a community, as a, as a nation, as uh, citizens are better served not having a bunch of you guys incarcerated. But then to see our tax dollars paying people that aren't even I mean, I don't want them to do their job. I want them to go get another job, you know. But at the same time that we're paying these people to sit on their lazy asses or or whatever it is they're doing, uh, if it could get worse, I guess it just did. Yeah, it's really kind of odd, you know. I, I mean, I think the, where the, the problem really comes in is the Bureau of Prisons and probably the military to a great extent. Nobody can just walk in off the street and inspect it. There, there's really no oversight from, you know, from outside of the Bureau of Prisons. And that's where the problem lies, is nobody walks in and says, you know, how come these people haven't come to work in two weeks, but you're paying them to sit at home? And, you know, <laughs> all these things that, you know, otherwise would get caught by audits and, you know, by outside groups. The Bureau of Prisons... It's just shielded from all that because nobody can come in and, and check out what what's actually going on, and I think that that lies our there lies our problem. Well, you know, we we're we're having a lot of uh, you know people upset about law enforcement in general uh, and their lack of oversight and and their abuses of power and and all of that sort of thing on a number of levels, and I, I just have to wonder, you know. Um, when are the people going to get sick enough of it to do something about it? You know, I, I, I was talking about legalization and its double-edged sword, as I tend to do a lot. And, and frankly, in my opinion, as I, as I look at a lot of the people that are still locked up, people that I know personally, I think to myself, I think in some ways we're almost further away from the end because people don't see that we need to get to the end. I think a lot of people feel that once we pass some state law, some little thing that allows some people to do some things that were good, and I, I don't see a lot of people fighting the way they were before, and it's, it's very frustrating to me because I'm not going to stop fighting until we win. And I, I, I find that I'm fighting alongside of fewer people right now. I think we've seen some of that you know, out in our greater society is they started in the late 1960s to, to go to the great society stuff and try to, you know, do away with poverty, do away with, you know, hungry and homeless people. 
And unfortunately, what they did is they, they made it so that there's a, a whole lot more hungry and homeless and uh, poverty-stricken you know, stri people. So yeah. maybe it's just the, the way the government does things. Yeah. Well, you know, the government has never been good at much except for blowing shit up and making itself fed and fattened and, uh, you know, getting whatever it needs. Uh, and, and it's really good at disguising that in and cloaking that in. We're helping our community out, uh, and we're taking care of what needs to be taken care of. But if you really, you know, pull those layers of that onion back, most of the time you find that our our government is by itself, for itself, and of itself a lot more than the people. That is, that is, and even in a smaller. Scale. I've seen it here, as you know, I've complained about that there's been more and more and more staff uh, assaulting the inmates here. And they actually started a procedure now where it's virtually impossible to file a complaint about a staff member attacking an inmate or, you know, being attacked. You're having been attacked. If you try to file a report about it, you're subject to disciplinary action. Now, just for filing a report that a staff member hit me or, you know, something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. You just have to kind of wonder who would think of something like that. Well, I remember I, it was at least a year ago, maybe a couple, maybe maybe a little more than a year ago, and you were talking about uh, if they were about to give the prison guards uh, uh, access to some non-lethal force that they previously didn't have access to. I think it's a taser of, of some sort, and uh, you were concerned that um, this very thing was going to happen, that more abuse was going to happen. And we did a campaign. We, we, we made calls to the Bureau of Prisons, and we called Congress people. And, um, you know, and it, it's a frustration to me because, you know, I see this handful of people keep stay, stepping forward and, and taking action, and I see the bulk masses of people the same people that will go to a concert or go to an event or or, or sit on their couch and, and talk about the latest, you know, thing, but they won't lift a finger to help. And, you know, I I don't know what to do sometimes. I'm, I'm having a frustrating day because I've had some things that I expected people to do not happen. And it, it's just like, you know, you want to count on those people closest to you and sometimes, through all kinds of reasons, you can't. But this is a bigger problem than that. This is a problem that, that, that goes across, I don't know, what do we have, 350 million people in America? And if 100 million of them, even if, even probably if a half a million of them ever got together at the same time and spoke with one voice, we would probably get what we want. I agree, I agree. And like you talked about the... Uh what they did is effective January of last year, of 2017, the officers now carry a, it's some sort of form of pepper spray or whatever. Oh, that's what it was. You're right. Pepper they, spray, yeah. And the idea of it was supposedly to... Let's call it from a federal prison. Somehow that they were supposed to only use it in self-defense. <laughs> I have yet to hear of an officer using it in self-defense here, but I've seen them use it dozens of times. They just get mad at somebody, pull it out, and start spraying them. And that, that's the very I mean, it, thing that you said was going to happen. And the, 
problem is, is they're going to find, you know, somebody that's just, they, they, there was one person here recently that uh, they sprayed him, and it really didn't stop him that much. <laughs> it's certainly going to uh, piss him off. Yeah, it did. He was a big one, and uh, they, unfortunately, just by the way things were arranged, he couldn't get at somebody. But the, the fact of the matter is, is if he couldn't get at somebody, they didn't need to spray him in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it, you you know, we've been talking to you for over five years, I think, now. And all the things that you've been through with your, your health issues, with the diabetes, with the teeth, with the, uh, I mean, it's just been one thing after another. And even when they moved you, I mean, before they moved you, you had a horrible problem with medication they were keeping from you. And and we've had campaign after campaign after campaign. And, you know, I keep watching and I'm thinking to myself, it'd be great to see some real change get made. And, and we've won little battles. I mean, we've gotten uh, little actions to happen on your behalf. And, and of course, we're, we're, we're pleased and proud. But at the end of the day, uh I mean, what's really changed in, in, in the bigger picture? Well, I mean, some, because uh, at least they know that there is some people that have, have been made aware of what's going on in here. And I don't know if you still communicate with Paul, but he just went through some terrible things with medical and, yeah, and trying some, to go to court. They, they put him in a place where he had to literally stand for days. and I mean... Things that you wouldn't think happen in the United States. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I read a, a, an article that he had he had put or somebody wrote on his behalf, and uh, boy, that seemed like a rough patch, um, you know. And, and like you said, it, it didn't sound like something that would happen here in, in America in 2018. It, it, it seemed like something that might have happened at a, a different time in a different place. Right, he ended up. Uh, essentially losing his ear just to a lack of care. Now, when you have 25 medical people, including a bunch of doctors, a bunch of physicians' assistants, and many registered nurses, and they can't treat 800 people and keep up with, you know, 800 people's, you know, medical care, there's something wrong. There's something terribly wrong with that. Well, I, I, uh, I'm always trying to narrow our focus to a specific uh, cause, and, and I find that we have better luck when we have a specific action that we're working on than when we're generally trying to do things. And I'm wondering if you can help direct us. I'm, I'm, I'm finding a lack of direction right now at this moment to a specific way to approach this. I think uh, I think our solution is just making people aware so that you know people can start pushing the you know pushing their uh, government people just making a point of you know no you know to uh, rehabilitate these people is basically to torture them and then release them back on on society and hope they're they're not violent people. It's, to me, it seems like it's a plan that desperately needs some reforming. Well, I will I will continue as I do, and and I will 
continue to try to find ways to find that language to reach out to more people. Um, you know, I, I can't help but think that we have a, a better vehicle to reach them. I just, uh, we got to find the, the language that'll, that'll get them to listen, I think. Well, I think we lost him. Craig Cecil, every week he gets on the phone, he gets 15 minutes to talk, and uh, more often than not he gets cut off in mid-sentence. And it's, it's one of the reasons that we do this. For those of you who get what we're doing, who really get it, uh, for those of you that are moved, you know, Glenn Keeley and I see you on, on, on the live stream, and you get it. And I know you will. And and we've got we've got a lot of poor people now that are stepping up and they're 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 moving forward and they're getting it. Um, but man, we need so many more. There was a time when we had literally thousands of people that would be willing to take some kind of action. And there was all kinds of problems. And when it came down to it, you know, beyond a specific action, it was pretty hard to get them to, to act as one for any reason. And ultimately, the thing they were best at doing was, was dividing and, 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 you know, destroying, frankly. But I still think that we have the ability right now we have we have tools that we've never had. We have networks that we've never had. We have relationships that we have strengthened and and, and have furthered. Um, I think underneath it all, we have more ability to get people to rise up to take a single action now than we've ever had before. And I, and I'm wondering, what is it going to take to get everybody to to come to the table and say, you know what, I'm going to put aside my issues with this person or that person or that group or that group. I'm going to, I'm going to see this for what it is. You know, we've got a lot of folks that have been through a lot. I mean, hell, most of the people that do the most in this organization historically have been the most broken, the ones that have been through the most, the ones that are the least technically capable. Uh, the ones that, are, that, that, have, that have lost the most, the ones that have uh, suffered the most, for whatever reason, the more we get beat up, <laughs> the more we come out swinging, the more we are willing to do whatever it takes. And I've watched people, oh, I've watched so many people that have, that have come and gone, the people that have done their time and they come back to, to wag their finger a little bit, but, you know, when it comes down to the heavy lifting, not a lot. Remember, many hands make the load light, or whatever the heck that 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 uh, saying is. But it's true. It's also very true. When we get enough of us together, uh, the load is light, and we can get it done. We can get it done a lot better. All right. If you want to call this show right now, uh, either to listen or to talk. You just pick up your phone and you dial 646-929-2495. This particular show is brought to you by the Coffee Party. 
and the Coffee Party Radio Network, and we're grateful for our opportunity to be a part of that. And, uh, hell, currently I think we're the only show still uh, still featured on that great network. So um, I, I do talk to some of the other Coffee Party folks, and uh, I understand there is, there is other programming uh, in the works. Um, so Noncompliant Mary has joined us in her most non-compliant way. And, of course, we're very grateful. Um, we got Mike Harris on the line, and if I remember correctly, he's going to give us an update on his case. Now, Mike Harris is um, taking it to them. He lives in a city where they have a very restrictive uh, ordinance or de facto ban, and um, they make it to where you have to go through some kind of a background check just to grow a plant in your own backyard, and um, Mike was able to connect with a couple of major organizations, including the ACLU and I think the DPA, and we got some lawyers um, at work on this, and uh, we're being proactive. There's a civil case against uh, one of the most uh, formidable opponents that there may have ever been. It's a, a, a legal firm called Best Best and Krieger. BBK, they represent I don't know how many cities in California, and they're ruthless, and they're prohibitionists, and they're not our friends, and that's what this case is up against. So Mike's going to give us an update on what's going on, and um, then we've got some others. Mike Harris, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, good, Joe. How, how's, how are yourself doing? Well, uh, aside from the ashes raining down, um, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, I got the, the same smoke plume coming over my house and the snow and over everything, too. So it's spread out pretty far that California is uh, pretty much has some really bad air quality. Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, like you were saying that uh, I've decided to have a join you know with uh, getting help in a civil action uh, within the city of Fontana that uh, as you know now it's supposed to be legal for any adult over the age of 21 I believe to uh, grow six plants on their property um, the only thing that the or cities are allowed to ban uh, outdoor but they cannot the one thing they can't do is ban indoor yeah, they have to allow it and they're allowed reasonable regulation. That's about as simple as the law is. Uh, but, you know, the problem is that there's certain cities, Fontana being one of them, that uh, really didn't want to have it in their city, so they made it as restrictive as possible. Uh, to the date, there's uh, nobody that's even applied for a cultivation permit. Uh, so, But they, uh, they're probably still, you know, busting people and then charging them with... Uh, you know, as, as both of us know, stacking charges of, uh, you know, uh, probably sales, manufacturer, possession, and, you know, and if they can find a gun on the residence, they'll, they'll charge them with a, a possession of a firearm and the commission of a felony. You know how they do it. That, that, that's still, you know, a, a likely possibility. Well, anyways, so um, I got the help of, as you said, the American Civil Liberties Union, the and the DPA, the co-sponsors of uh, the Proposition 64, along with uh, uh, the ACLU joined, and uh, they got the uh, pro bono 
work uh, done that does the, the lion's share of the lifting is the uh, Melvaney and Myers. So we filed, and then you know a year later or so, the city filed uh, their response, and then we filed another response to that, and then they just uh, last week filed their final. Uh, response. They're, you know, of course, they're trying to quash any kind of discovery, and we're trying to get as much admitted to the record as possible. Um, and within, a, I guess, a week or two, we'll have our final uh, filing, and we get the last word before we go to court in September. And that's pretty much it. It's, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of legal maneuvering going on right now. So uh, this final uh, motion, when is that? When is that to be heard? Well, they're talking. It was uh, it's scheduled for um, September 14th, but I think um, uh, one of my lawyers was in court uh, this week or possibly next week. He's going to argue for I think a week later, so it might be on the 21st. But it's at the uh, local uh, San Bernardino Superior Courthouse, and you know when I. Uh, hear about it it's not too far to drive there and you know and we uh are uh, committed to uh, this um uh, we're trying to get as much into the discoveries possible because both sides have committed to uh, an appeal whoever wins or loses so you know this thing is is still got a lot of legs in it and um, it's not quite played out yet yeah, that's the funny part about it all. Uh, when we were discussing it the other day, um, no matter what happens, this is going to go to the appeal court. And, yeah, well, uh, you know, they, they, they file for an appeal, but you know, as I think we understand it, it's not necessarily – it's up to the uh, appeals court whether or not they want to uh, hear it or not. So you, you don't yeah. know even that until it happens. Right. On a civil case, I don't believe you have the same – right to an appeal as you do in a criminal case. In a criminal case, uh, the defendant has a right to appeal, providing there's grounds for that appeal, which there's almost always some kind of grounds. But um, if, a if a defendant is acquitted, typically the prosecution doesn't appeal that, that decision. So even though I guess on some level they might, they did mine. <laughs> when I overturned the jury verdict, they did appeal that. But... Um, you know, usually they don't. In this case, though, a civil case, um, it's almost just the way it goes. They they file the 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 case is heard or or not. Um, if it if it gets if it gets all the way through, um, no matter what happens, the loser's usually going to appeal it. And uh, you know, this is this is a case about principle much more than it is about um, the substance of its own case. Um, it, it's well, that's, that's the whole. Uh, that's the whole goal of it is to uh, make sure that everybody gets to benefit from. You know, if I win, I want this to uh, benefit everybody that has a say that they can't be repressed by. You know, this is going to take a, a big chunk away from land powers if this is a victory. That's that's exactly. that's very important that people understand that because that's what's killed. Um, 215 was uh, the land use issues. Exactly. So, you know, this is one of the reasons that these kind of things are really important. When you hear about a civil case, usually, uh, more often than not anyways, it's about some settlement. It's about somebody 
you know, either being made whole or some kind of uh, monetary gain to be had, one side or another. This isn't about that. I'm not that. asking not... for any money. I'm not asking exactly. for a dime. Yep. So that, that's one of the things that, like I said, if we can uh, uh, get behind this, get, become aware of it, um, you know, let's 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 watch cases like this and hopefully in other places where the same kind of oppression is happening, um, even in when a law gets passed that allows for something to happen, in California especially, it all fell upon local jurisdiction whether that law was going to be allowed or not. And even though, in my opinion, it was a pretty terrible law the way it was written, it still was a more... Um, uh, it was an inclusive law that if all the local jurisdictions were to allow it the way the state legally does, there'd be a whole lot less oppression going on. And yet more cities and more counties than not are still um, either enforcing bans or having um, restrictive ordinances that are a de facto ban. So. Um, that's so, again, out of seventy percent, seventy percent of California. But you know, exactly. I am, I am a little bit, um, I get heartened in a, in a, a sense because, you know, I'm kind of like an old school guy that goes back into like in the seventies where you had to know a guy. It, the, there was right. no such thing as social media or weed maps or leafy or any of that stuff. So now right. there's this huge, huge, huge. Uh, what, for lack of a better term, black market that basically people participate in as uh, social disobedience. This is civil disobedience on a grand oh, yeah. scale that's happening right now. And this, you know, it's it's so much farther, I think, in an advancement of what I saw as to where that if you had any amount marijuana on you, it could be uh, five years. You know, that was what California used to be before. Um, 1970, I think five, it passed a, a decrim bill. But still, you know, a lot of people have gone down since. But, you know, I, I'm just saying as a matter of perspective, what's happening today is like this is like a the contempt for a law and the contempt is building for law enforcement to try to uphold it. And that goes along with all the politicians that are trying to suppress it. So, like, it is really big issue that I'm really heartened that is still growing. It's not gone away. It's 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 pacified, say, with Prop 64. But, like I said, 70 percent of uh, California bans. I've yet to walk into a, a a a licensed dispensary, but I can go, you know, within like a a couple of miles, you know, weed maps. And you can, you know, go into a, a place, you know, and there, you, there's the, the chance, that, you know, I suppose it could be raided when you're in there. I have, but, but you know, the chances are that it's not. So there's a great deal of civil disobedience, I think, happening right now. And this thing is cooking across the United States. I mean, look what happened in Oklahoma. I never would have thought Oklahoma could do that. Even though the uh, Department of Health has really tried to undermine it, that blew up in their faces because people of Oklahoma had had enough. And, you know, they, they put a stop to it and they exposed, I guess, 
some corruption that was going on within that state. Uh, you know, and Mississippi it might be one of the last, Louisiana, Nebraska, Idaho. But Oklahoma, they have the second most highest incarceration of people in that state. That's like the land of prisons. And they were able to get this thing passed. And they're, they're, they've got just, um, it's harder to do it, but they're looking like they're going to even pass recreational in whatever way they're going to try to do it. And that's all the citizens short of a total revolution. That's how people are trying to change this thing. Is they're trying to change it at the ballot box because that's the only uh, way for, you know, a representative government or direct democracy that the people have. You know, you can't take up arms against uh, an entity that occupies uh, 80 different countries with military bases. You know, I'm sorry, but the Second Amendment's not going to do much against armored personnel carriers. If, you know, <laughs> and I, I, I just can't advocate that enough. It has to be in a nonviolent sense, or at least in a social disobedience that's not hurting somebody else. You know, that's that's how. Well, I see we certainly agree with with doing whatever it takes. Of course, with the, in a nonviolent way. I, I don't believe that anybody directly connected with our organization has ever advocated violence. Um, certainly we do advocate um, exercising our rights to protest. We certainly do uh, uh, advocate exercising our rights as jurors. We certainly do uh, ex advocate exercising our right uh, to the press, um, to free speech, and, and, and bringing forth the uh, information about all these things and, and hoping to inspire and educate people. Uh, we certainly do that, but um, certainly uh, I, I would never uh, never think that it's going to come to taking up arms. I don't think that... Um, no, I and I would hate to think that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not... It, it, it's frustrating that I know that the government hasn't been as responsive, but I think we're at a point where that they can't stop it. I, I really don't. I know they want to, and I know, you know, there's going to be maybe some serious stuff, you know, but they, it's at the momentum now that they cannot stop it. And there's within, you know, I think America right now, there's been a social awakening that so many people are angry about something or they really want something to change and have taken um, – to the streets fill up in protests for whatever it is that you haven't seen since the 60s during the Vietnam War. So there's a lot of dissatisfaction and, you know, people want to now say that they want to participate and, you know, want, want these things to change. And, and reforming marijuana is right there up at the top, right there with criminal justice reform. Well, there you go. Well, Mike, it's always good to hear from you, and, um, you know, like I say, it's uh, refreshing to see that we've got one on the offense side of things rather than always being on the defensive side of things. So um, I certainly support this, and um, I'm hoping to be present during the hearing um, in September, so uh, at least I can watch this thing happen. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this is one of the ones that are going to really stick and, uh, you know, gain some momentum. Maybe others will, uh, will watch this happen. And that's a big part of it is, is getting the, 
the exposure that this is happening. Unfortunately, some of the most amazing actions have happened that I've been part of, uh, witnessed, uh, known about, and, you know, one of our greatest weaknesses has always been uh, getting that message out there. That's one of the reasons we do this show is so that more and more people can learn about what's happening, um, you know, in all these different places, uh, such different levels of hostility towards this plant, but certainly we're, 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 we're on a precipice. We're right on the edge of something to swing. Hopefully it doesn't swing back in our face before we get a chance to knock it back. So, well, we've, uh, we've always, had some small yeah. victories, Joe. We've, we've had some small victories. You know, oh, yes, we have. That, you know, that, we, that indirectly uh, the, the uh, human solution affected something that went to the uh, state Supreme Court, and it was decided in a way that we would have liked to have seen it, and that was in the Kleinman uh, case where it, um, that the judge had uh, erroneously given um, instructions to the jury that really misled them in thinking they had no other choice and to, than to um, do as he said. And, you know, that, they, they really I brought up the dis- – because I was, I was in that uh, um, courtroom when they, they were at the appellate – at the. Uh, the fifth appellate in Pasadena, and they de- they discussed that they in length. And you know what the the federal prosecutor that was in the Kleinman case was sitting in there listening in on that. Really? Yep. Well, I I do I do remember the trial and I do remember the the judge and it was uh, it was a, a brutal uh, a brutal scene and. Um, like I said, it didn't go well for Noah. Noah's got a, a long time if we don't make some changes to be locked up. He lost his he lost his wife while he was uh, incarcerated, and um, it's it's a tragedy. It's a horrible horrible story. And uh, yeah, he'll miss his uh, his young uh, sons uh, growing up to adulthood. He'll, he's gonna miss all that. Exactly. All right, Mike. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you join us, and uh, I, I, I like to hear positive stories like this one because we're, uh, you know, they're, they're, we're chinking away at it in a lot of ways. All right. All right, we'll talk to you once again. Mike, board member of the Human Solution International, uh, taking on the city of Fontana and the formidable firm of Best Best and Krieger along with the ACLU and the DPA, um, yeah, that's a lot of initials going on, and we got a chance to make a difference, and that's that's what I like to hear is when we're not always just defending ourselves. Okay, we've got a bunch of callers now here. Um, we got non-compliant Mary. She's got something to say, and any chance I get to hear her have something to say, I, I, I will push her to the front of the line. I also know that... Um, Becca was on the line, and now she's not, but she's supposed to be joining the show with a little something for us, so hopefully she'll call back. I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. Um, so let's let's go straight over to our screener and board member and uh, little Mary Sunshine, I guess I want to call her today. Mary, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, doing really good. Glad to be here. I I've been... I just really guess I want to begin a dialogue, and I think Mike was talking about part of it, but I was on and off screen people, so I didn't get to hear all of it. But 
I want to know what we as individual people can do. And by that, what I'm, I'm, I have all these conversations with people in these groups about legalization, and they, you know, they make some pretty good points about how things are better than they were. And um, like in my county, El Dorado County, California, they're, um, we're going to have some initiatives on the ballot in November. And I actually stopped voting in 2016, first time since I've been 18 I didn't vote. I said, why do I want to be a part of telling other people that they can regulate me and tell me what I can and cannot do? I know the difference between right and wrong and have for a really long time. And I don't think that they're doing a really good job. So why do I want to pick between evil one and evil two? So that's kind of where I was then. And, and I, um, so I didn't. It was hard, but I broke that pattern and didn't vote. So now I'm looking at all these measures that are coming up. Again, this is on a municipal level, uh, small stuff, but really big for us. They've banned cultivation uh, in our county for two years, and they just want to look and see how it goes. And basically it's about how much money can we come up and give the Board of Supervisors? Um, how much, it's like a lobbyist kind of thing. They say, well, the other side's giving the money. We need to give them money too. And I feel that if we do any of this, first of all, I don't believe in the measures. I don't think that they're, uh, that they're good, they're just, they're even, they're fair. Um, everything is based on bias, so I don't like it. But then the other part of me says, but if you don't participate, then, you know, you, know, you have no say at all in it. So I'm just really kind of going back and forth around in circles, and I thought maybe begin a dialogue, and maybe between you and, and our listening audience, maybe people we can pool our minds and maybe come up with something and act in a unified manner. Or maybe there's already a unified manner, and I don't know. So that's what's going on. Well, that's, that's been sort of my drumbeat for the past uh, eight years, almost ten years. Um, and, and I think that that is, that is our true weakness, is that there's all these little drumbeats beating around, and, and there's all these um, efforts that, like you say, people are claiming that, well, it's, it's, it's progress. And I suppose, but is there an end game? You know, and I think that that's part of our problem is we never seem to articulate an end game. You know, when are we going to be okay with this? When are we going to be happy and say, that's a just law. I'm okay with this now. I don't need to fight for this anymore. When is that going to happen? And I think, unfortunately, um, the vast majority of people that are, enjoying the benefits of, of this plant, find some place where, you know, they're okay with it as it is. They don't mind paying exorbitant taxes or they don't mind being limited to a number of plants or they don't mind, you know, not being able to do one thing or another because they are able to do something at least. And I, and I, I don't know how to get past that. That's part of what this show's about is um, looking for those answers. Maybe somebody will call in and say, I have it, you know, or maybe, you know, we get these ideas, like we had our, our How Come campaign, which was a great idea, but maybe we'll get ideas and have the wherewithal to, to bring it to life. Maybe we'll be able to do both of those things at once. I think, I think that's what needs to happen, though. I think we need to articulate an end game. Um, we need to identify a goal, you know. The powers that be, they have goals, and they identify when they accomplish them. Um, True, yeah. That are in with each 
each other. They have goals, and they know when they've won or when they've lost, but we don't seem to do that. We seem to take on a little victory and say, okay, we're good, and sort of, in my opinion, throw a white flag up. Well, I can tell you when I would feel happy, I would feel happy when I can walk out my back door, go to my garden, and not worry, am I over my square footage? Do I have too many plants? Is there someone going to look over the fence and see something in my own land that I own and say, I don't like what you're doing over in your land? You know, I even look, you know, when a helicopter passes overhead or a plane or something, you know, some kind of buddy going to look out the plane and not like something. It's ridiculous. And I know Mike had mentioned civil disobedience, and I'm not sure the context, like I say, was in and out for that. But I think maybe civil disobedience is, um, is one of the key factors, that in the jury nullification, just a simple, you know, I'm not going to participate in that. I, so I, I'm thinking with all these new regulations that, in my mind, are really supporting millionaires coming into an industry that's been around for a long time, cutting out all the small farmers that have been, um, you know, living their lives, you know, doing this for, for, you know, decades and longer, and just that the millionaires, now that it's beginning to be a legal kind of thing, they throw money at the board of supervisors, they get the big rows, they make the big money, and, and everybody else is squeezed out. That's what it looks like it's going towards and why would I want to support any traffic going in that direction? So just maybe continue doing what we're doing? I don't know. Well, I, I think if we, could, if we could create a message that painted the picture of what we want to see. You know, we're all creative beings. We all make our future happen. We do, whether we want to or not, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not. We do, and unfortunately, I think the future that we keep making is one that falls short because that's all we're able to allow ourselves to see. And I say this. I say, why don't we see that world? And I've painted that picture on this show numerous times, but I'll paint it again. I see a world where it's not possible to be charged with a crime directly as a result of this plan. I see a world where this plant is treated like what it is, a plant. I see a world where this plant is treated like what it is, a plant that really doesn't have any way to hurt you. Uh, I see a world that sees the benefit of this plant so much so that maybe it encourages the participation of the use and cultivation and, and exploration of this plant because of the benefit that comes to society. You know, our society is supposed to make laws that protect itself, that, that, that benefit society as a whole. And that's where these, you know, uh, offenses come from. Because supposedly, if you're violating a law, somehow you're harming society in some way. And yet this plant by itself now, granted, there are places where people could do that. Why don't we create a world where those are the problems? You know, say if you're destroying some wild land in the sake of growing a farm that poisons the river or actually causes harm, let that be the crime. Destroying yeah, totally. land and harming the river. Why don't we make that be the crime? You know, if somebody is, is, is strong-arming another individual to, to gain control over their their property or their or, or their um, their land or whatever it is, uh, 
make that be a crime. But if that those things aren't happening, I see a world where we can have all the plants we want. You know, how many calendula plants can you have? How many can you grow? There isn't <laughs> right. a Yes. You know, that's what I see. How how many bottles of of rosemary infused olive oil can you own? Can you possess? Can you sell? Can you transport? You could have a 500,000 gallon drum of infused lavender vinegar or whatever, right? And nobody would think anything bad about it. They would say, "Wow, what an ambitious individual." No, and that yet, makes perfect sense. And you know, I'm going to add one more thing to that world that you're just describing. I'm going to add to it that a world where people are have enough um, critical thinking skills that they can look at this and say, why in the world, if this plant is dangerous, why in the world, if you give money to the government, is it not dangerous? And you can do it now. If it's dangerous well, plant, what amount of money? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. If if something is bad, you shouldn't be able to give money, and then you can do the bad thing. It's there's nothing wrong with it. It's we just have to pay money to. It's kind of like the troll underneath the bridge. If you pay the troll, you can go across the bridge. If you don't, you can't. Why? Because he's a troll and he's big and bad. That's what it comes uh, out to. Because he can. That's why. Yeah, and, I don't want to pay don't... a troll. I don't either. I'm 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 a hundred percent anti troll. <laughs> so that's you know, that's something to consider. Um you know, why not why don't we demand some kind of common sense to be built into however we decide we rule it? Why don't we demand that there has to be some kind of equality in the way that these rules are? Like I said, in for 20 years in California, the only legitimate way that you could have cannabis was if there was never a nickel exchanged, if it was all not-for-profit, right? But now it's entirely the opposite. Now it's absolutely for-profit, and it's absolutely uh, the, the rigors of the regulations and the taxes is the key point of it being legal or not. It went totally opposite, 180 degrees, and yet nobody's scratching their head over that and saying, well, wait a minute, what was the point of that law to begin with? Is this a right. moral law? Is this a, 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 it's supposed to be a health and safety law. That's what it was. It was a health and safety code. Well, uh, now it looks, it, I think, just by virtue of, of how they swapped it like that, it, it, to me it's really obvious that this is just simply about um, a revenue stream. If they legalize it, they can get taxes. If it's illegal, you can't tax a black market, but if you legalize it, then you can tax it. So, the, again, the whole thing, if it's a bad thing, why would you legalize it? So, it's, to me, they're saying it's not a bad thing, but we want to we wanna tax it, so we'll make it legal. Well, I agree, and, and I don't even think they're calling it a sin tax. Like for alcohol and tobacco, they have no problem making the taxes be exorbitant because they say, well, it's a it's a sin tax, and so it's okay to tax these things ridiculously high. But for cannabis, I think they're just doing it because they can. They've never equated it to being a sin tax. It, it just, you know, in, in, in what I've seen anyways, they put these giant – taxes so that they can break through and breach the, the, the values of, of the, uh, the opposition, let's just say, without painting them into a political 
corner. Um, and that's sort of the carrot that says, well, well, if you'll just allow us to break through this barrier, we'll give you all of these wonders and riches. And that's how it seems to have gone everywhere that, that it's it's been passed. And yet the other side of that, the counterpoint to that, is medical. We have, I don't know, 37, 40 states that have a medical law. What the hell is going on? How can it be one and the other? It doesn't, it really doesn't make sense. Well, in, Eldorado, what, in Eldorado County, we, one of our current laws is that you can only have three people, three patients get together. Now, my husband and I are both patients. We can't have another couple. We had best friends that were a couple, both patients. It's illegal for us to get together with them. We can only get together with a single person. Yeah. So, that, anyway, that I know there are lots so of people to talk, so... Um, Anyway, I appreciate well, the time. I appreciate the thoughts. I, I think that we need to we need to paint this picture, and we need to paint it clearer and clearer. And I think that if we paint it clearer and clearer, and we say it louder and louder, and we get more and more together as we're doing it, it becomes a chant. It becomes a spell. It becomes a prayer. It becomes a, a mantra. It becomes words of action, it becomes something that can happen. But I don't see enough people chanting that same chant. These I don't know, same... I'm hearing a drum circle coming on. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in, my all friend. All right, I'm all right. Going... Well, we got Glenn Keeling saying we should have a march in D.C., and, you know, I'm all for a march in D.C. The problem that we have, we've got this gigantic 3,000-mile across country, and you know, the ability for uh, the people on one side to get to the other side for an event is, is is warranted if we can get enough people to be there. And that's what we've got to somehow figure out. If we're going to do a march, then let's really do a march. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many marches I've been to in California where there was, you know, 50 or 100 people, and I'm like, Really? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's fun to get together with 50 or 100 people and march and yell and scream, but, damn, we need some zeros. We need some major zeros. So I, I'm, I think that's part of what's happening. We've opened up a discussion. We're, we're, we're bouncing the idea around. I think we're bringing it to life by painting that picture. I think that's going to be a part of the show is we're going to paint the picture of what we want to see uh, and maybe we'll get it louder and clearer and create sort of a guided meditation that we can all walk through and see the same thing at the same time. Maybe that's part of what we need to do is create that picture. Maybe that's what you've done today. I'm for that. <laughs> I am for that world all right, right now. We've got a bunch of new callers that have come in since you have popped on, and I'll let you get back to screening, but it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Joe. Bye for now. All right. Once again... Non-compliant Mary, board member and screener for the Human Solution International. Okay, let's see who we got. We got um, Glenn Keeling. We got Pete Yapo. We got Darren Elliott from Ohio. So I think what I want to do, now Glenn, as you all know, is uh, chapter coordinator for the Creative Care Beacon chapter in Ohio, and Darren Elliott is, has been on the show a few times, and he's part of a case that's going on. So I think I'm going to bring them both on 
at the same time because I do have some stories I want to tell and I'm watching the time go away on me again and I think I see Becca here. I'm not sure, but I think that's her. So she's got a little something for us today that we don't want to miss. So, And then Pete Yapel has got some amazing updates as always. And it looks like Creed Leffler just came in. He's got some big news. So I like big news, and he's been working hard to make uh, some things happen. So hopefully that will happen. So we're going to bring up Glenn Keeling and Darren Elliott at the same time. First we got Glenn. Glenn, welcome hey, to the show. Evening. I'm not going to give hey, a giant you. intro today for the interest of time and the fact that um, I think a lot of folks know who you are, but, um, you know, it, it's important that uh, – um, your voice is is becoming more and more important, especially on your corner of the universe. And I'm trying to, you know, do what I can to to bring more folks to you. So, I'm also going to bring up Darren Elliott now. And Darren, welcome to the show. Glenn, welcome to the hi, show. Hi, Don. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Darren. Uh, hi, Don. Glenn. Good, buddy. Good. Yeah. Um, I'm so, Darren, go ahead and tell us what's up, and then um, and then we'll uh, Glenn and I'll be able to talk a little bit more after that. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I ain't called in a couple months. Uh, I've just we've had like three free trials since then, and they just they didn't know what they were going to do. But uh, the prosecutor decided on the day, well Monday, right before he we went to court uh, yesterday, that uh, they're not dismissing the case. That. It's scary because I know more about the law than all four of our attorneys. Like, it's because nobody knows about the law that's two years old. They keep saying it's a new law, and it makes no sense to me. So it's set for an evidentiary hearing September 12th that uh, my doctor is supposed to come get on a stand and educate them. Because my doctor ain't also a doctor. He also graduated from law school. He just had him took in a bar. Well, that's good. I mean, it sounds yeah. like having... A solid uh, expert witness is huge. Um, yeah, that, you know that's one of the things that I think is often missing in some of our cases that are, in my opinion, slam dunks. But you know, you deal with these courts that are, for all intents and purposes, ignorant. And you know, even though they're they're charged with um, interpreting laws, they're I've watched I don't know how many times when uh, a case gets called up that the attorney and the attorney and even the judge will pull out the law book and read the current law because they don't know what the hell it says. Yeah. Well, right. Well, so let me ask you: right. if, if somebody breaks a crime or if somebody does something, and, and the cop says, "Well, you broke the law," and that person says, "Well, officer, I I didn't know I broke the law." His response to you is going to be ignorance is no excuse. So that, in turn, we should be using that same term right back against these court systems that continue to, I mean, it's legal. For all case and purposes, I hate that word, but for the state of Ohio, they have a lot, and there's another word I hate, it's allowed. Um, there's a cannabis program in Ohio, and there has been for two years, and every, Oh, it's a new law. We really don't understand it. We don't know. Well, you know, how can you charge people if you don't know what the hell you're doing? How can you proceed in cases if you don't know what the hell? Now, you just stood there and said you don't understand and you don't know. You have. To, then how can these people continue to do this to people over and over 
And obviously, there's a lot of people that are not in law enforcement that know the law a lot better than the law enforcement does. And that's, that's really sad. It's, it, you're right. Absolutely right. That's sad. And, you know, we, we've just got to keep pounding that, the pounding that. But look, you know, ignorance is no excuse, Your Honor. Ignorance is not no excuse, prosecutor. We're going to have to handle that to them because I like, guarantee you that if the roles were reversed, they would be doing the same damn thing to you and to me and to Joe and everybody else. Ignorance is no excuse, and that's exactly what we're going to have to turn around on to them. You know, these are people that are supposed to be enforcing these laws. And it's not really enforcing. It, 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 laws are a guideline for people to follow. You know, um, it's your choice whether you follow them laws or not. And it goes the same thing with prosecutors. And it's their job to make sure that the law is protected. Well, they're not protecting the law because the law says that people are allowed to have X amount of cannabis products in their possession by state law. That's just the way it is, man. And, you know, it, it's ridiculous. It, and it's not just here in Ohio, Darren. You know, it, it, it's, it happens clear across this country. Yeah. Yeah, we're all standing strong, though. Ain't none of us taking deals. I, we've done made that very clear that it's full dismissal or no deals. We're picking jurors. Like, we're not taking no deals. I, I'm not going to take a deal when I didn't break the law. And I, and I right. just feel so strongly about that. They'll have to send me. To, I'm facing 32 years in prison. They'll have to give me every year of it. I, I, I'll go down as a martyr for it. There's no way I'm taking no deal for something. I did not break the law. They're going to have to give me all them years. Right. They're going to have to try to. And that's I'm not taking no deals. It's wrong. Darren, I think if this goes past this evidentiary hearing and once the judge hears the testimony from your doctor and if they decide that they still want to continue moving forward with it, I think that we need to look at it differently and I think we really need to start getting this story out there. Um, I, I believe, uh, you know, Glenn's got connection to uh, uh, some of the local uh, uh, news agencies and um, I've got the commitment of some people that are well connected in the uh, alternative media that they will uh, participate when we ring the bell. And so well, we've, we've, it, been, we've been all over the media in Cincinnati. Well, and, and I think that we need to get it across the national media. I think it's I think it's a I big do. enough story that affects all of us. Um, you know, I, I think that that's what makes these cases important is that. As much as it is about you guys, um, it's not about you at all. It's about uh, a miscarriage of justice. It's about abuses of power. It's about things happening that aren't supposed to happen, and it's about things not happening that are supposed to happen. And I think that um, as we start sounding these bells, you know, I'm here in California, and I'm pissed off about what's going on in Ohio, and I'm willing to get out there and do something about it if I can – rally enough people together, and if I can get the, uh, you know, the call to be heard, I think that that's what needs to happen, and it just, it has a groundswell. When, when we supported cases, and there was support from all over the country, even if the, they weren't necessarily physically there, sometimes they were, you'd be surprised. There's a, there's a change that happens, and that's what I'm all about. Yeah. Right on. 
you know, I think something that, you know, we're going to have to stop. We're going to have to stop being complicit with being allowed. We're going to have to start putting our foot down with being allowed to do things or allowed to possess. You know, that, that is... That is abs- that is the worst thing to say to a guy. That man, that is horrible to say to an adult. You know, here you're allowed to have this. You're a grown person, and here you can have this. That is shitty. That is shit. That I man, I cannot express that enough. Is how shitty that is to be allowed to have something because of legalization. Uh, it's, it's it's horrible. Well, listen, well, I people. I keep waiting for more people to be pissed off. I keep waiting. Well, for more people to get you the feeling like you and I have, how dare you tell me what I'm allowed to do with my own body in my own yard with things that I choose to grow? How dare you tell me what I'm allowed to do? I keep wondering, when are more people going to do that? And instead, I watch people kind of roll over and go, look what we're allowed to do now. You know, it's it's right. the weakness is, is so pervasive now, and I just am not okay with it. So I guess we're looking for the people that aren't okay with it. Maybe that's what we need to do is turn our heads to to searching for those people that are not okay with being told what they're allowed to do with their own bodies. You know, they're not cool. We're not cool with that. That's for damn sure. Right. It's just uh, we're grown people. We're grown folks, you know, and and it's time that we start taking charge for our own lives and stop letting people tell us what to do with it. Um, Listen. You know, it's real simple, real easy. My name is Glenn Keeling. I'm pretty easy to find on the Internet. Um, my phone number is 419-863-0498, or you can find us at the Human Solution International Ohio Chapter of the Creative Care Beacon. Awesome. Reach Thank you out. so much, Glenn, and, and uh, Darren as well. Um, you know what? It's just good that we, we're having the participation from uh, – you know, all sides of this country, and we're standing with you, folks. We're gonna, we're gonna make the change that's required, the change that 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 is desired to get the world that we want to see happen, and that's what it's all about. I thank right you guys thank both. You, for right. uh, you have a blessed one. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. All right, Glenn and Darren, uh, always a pleasure. All right. <laughs> Before I move forward, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story. I, I, I keep saying I'm gonna tell a story, and I don't get a chance to tell a story because everybody else gets to tell their story, and it's important. I, um, I I take up way too much time yabbering on about things sometimes, and I and I don't I'm not able to uh, to tell the stories I want to tell. Um, we're about to have an election, and it's very important to me that we're having this election. Um, I've been in a leadership role with this organization from the very beginning. And some of these stories I've told before, and and some of them I haven't, and even the ones I've told before, I will always add a little something to it that I didn't tell before. um, There's so many details to bring forward, and, and in some cases one thing's important, and in another case, something else might might be important. But I can remember in the very beginning of the Human Solution Internationals, we're coming up on our uh, we're coming up on our tenth anniversary. 
And uh, I can remember when we decided to become an organization. I've told that story a number of times. And um, we filed, I don't know, the first three names that we had chosen. We'd gone through that whole uh, election process or, or, yeah, I guess it was sort of a, a selection process, I should say. And we had chose the, the name that got the most votes didn't get passed because it had the word cannabis in it. And California wasn't giving corporation names that had cannabis in it yet, even if it was a nonprofit. And I don't know if they do today or not, but they didn't then. Um, and then the next two names that came through were also rejected, or they'd already been taken, or for some reason they didn't qualify. And then finally we submitted three names at once. We said, pick one. Maybe one of them will get through. And when the paperwork came back and it said the human solution, I was, uh, I was, I was kind of blown away because that was the name I had come up with. But I didn't want to force it, you know. We all have the ability to lead. We all have the ability to influence the situation. I've always been of the mindset that if something's going to be right, it needs to happen organically to a point. Things don't happen organically very well, generally speaking. I mean, the forest is a wonderful place. Don't get me wrong. The forest happens organically. But there's all kinds of problems if you are a forest creature that you've got to deal with. And it's not a fair place to be if you're a certain kind of a creature or not. And in my goal, as we're an elevated race, I'd like to think, at least we have the ability to be elevated, we have the ability to create something that is elevated. And that's what I always thought the human solution was going to be or could be or would be. And we were coming off of a coalition of, I don't know, a dozen groups. So there were members in the leadership or the formation of the human solution initially that were part of all these other groups. And there was um, a member from ASA, a member from Normal, a member from all these different groups that were local and national, international, all these different groups. But there were, uh, well, there was at least a member of, of, of these people that came together and said, you know what, let's do something that's different. Let's do something that is focused on ending prohibition, that's focused on educating and supporting those people that are being victimized. That's not happening anywhere, so let's be that. And that's what we decided to be. And then one of the organizations that began or, or that came out of this or that, that, that the Human Solution came out of, I should say, had just gone through a total upheaval. And they had an election process for their leadership and an old uh, president that had been gone for years came back and tried to reclaim his righteous place and had tried to basically pull a coup together and he got pushed back and it was just such drama and I watched this room that we had built this this uh, membership or not even attendantship I should say I don't think anybody everybody was even a member but they'd gone from having a dozen people in the room to a hundred people in the room and there was this gigantic drama that ensued and over the right to be the president of this nonprofit or this chapter, and I thought to myself, man, we just cannot have this happen. We can't have this happen. It's just horrible, right? 
And so when we first decided to organize this and we got our, our, our corporate uh, paperwork back, uh, my thinking was, you know, let everybody be president. Let's do this in sort of an unconventional way. But it turns out when you set up an organized group, you have to have leadership. You have to have uh, you have to have certain roles filled. You need to have a CEO or a president. You need to have a vice president. You need to have a secretary. You need to have a treasurer. So um, I refused to be. I didn't refuse. I wasn't going to be president. Um, and so we chose these roles. Well, as luck would have it, or as I don't know, human nature would have it. The whole original board of that first version of the Human Solution International, within six months, none of them, not one of them, were willing to do their job. The president didn't want to be president or wasn't going to act as a president, the vice president. I think a lot of I think I was either vice president or secretary. I showed up and I did what I could do. We had, we even had a, oh, what the hell was it? We had a, um, the guy that makes sure that the rules are followed. <laughs> I forget what the term was, but it was just crazy. You know, we had all these people that were there in a leadership capacity. And as the first six months of the organization came and we were sort of trying to figure ourselves out, all the key core people that were involved, um, they weren't willing to do their job. Uh, one of our the members got raided. Actually, two of the members were involved in my collective, and um, one of them was arrested when we got raided, and that one took off, never to be seen again in our organization. One of them was very a uh, strong leader and just would never be strong after that point. One of them was... Uh, uh, in a secretarial role, and would never do what they what what they were supposed to do. Um, so over time, we ended up shifting focus, and we ended up creating a board of people that uh, I don't know. We tried. Um, I ultimately ended up getting voted president, and um, stayed that way for the first three or four years, and. At one point, we were having some difficulties, and, you know, all of these stories that I have to tell about individuals, this is more of a group story, but the stories that I have to tell about individuals will, will quantify or, or clarify uh, the activities that happen, the human nature problems, the things that people just tend to do. You know, there are leaders and there are followers and there are people that want to be leaders but really aren't willing to lead. You know, leading is a lot of work. Mostly leading is responsibility, and I think that's the thing that people don't realize, that if you choose to lead, then you're the one who's in charge. That means you're the one who gets blamed when something doesn't go right. Um, that's kind of the core of it all, and that's, that's, really, um, that's really, I think, what has kept true leadership from, from really moving forward uh, in, in the early days. And so at one point, um, you know, we started a membership because we didn't, we had this weird membership which was all merit-based, but nobody had to pay anything. Well, turned out everybody's willing to say they're going to volunteer, but very few are actually willing to volunteer. We'll 
We'll get into all that. At one point, I relinquished my presidency to my daughter, and I said, you know what, you get to be president now. I'm, I'm, we need to, something needs to change. And it was never about, um, you know, this, this position or this, this leadership role. It was about let's make it work. I thought maybe having a fresh face, and she, my daughter's a strong, um, young, bright girl, um, opposite of me, right? I mean, you know, I thought maybe that would do it. No, we didn't get anywhere with that. We ended up reincorporating um, a couple of years later, and uh, we ended up with a different, uh, different group of people. And that group of people um, came out of, in a lot of ways, the journey for justice. When we got on that bus and we went up to Montana for uh, for a guy who was uh, in prison and about to be sentenced, very unfairly, um, was involved with a legal dispensary, a legal grow, and um, he was facing 90-some years because of some weapons bullshit. And I had just gotten out of jail, and I got the call from... An, a, an activist advocate from Washington, and we had connected with the cannabis people, and we put it all together, and we made this journey for justice happen. And out of that, and out of the journey, and out of the people we met, and out of the people that were participating, um, came the the fertile ground for that incarnation of the human solution. So, as we developed it. Uh, we came at it from a little bit different place. We decided that we were going to be very inclusive and we were going to be, we wanted to bring in all the people that we could, um, you know, leaders from other groups. We always thought that that was a good idea to have a coalition-based uh, way of doing things and have unity. And, and so we had, I, I reached out personally to leaders from a number of different um, groups, prominent advocates, people that I, I respected. And we created this giant board. We had, I don't know, 13 or 15 people on our, our, our board when we finally, you know, reincorporated. And then we got the 501c3. Well, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. One of the board members was um, somebody who... I respected a lot because of the uh, experiences that this person had, and it was really um, bizarre to think that all the words that we spoke and all the time that we shared in creating and organizing and, and coming up with this way of being that was, in my opinion, uh, brilliant. It, 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 it had a code of conduct built into it. It had a, um, we had bylaws that made sense. We had, we had all these positions that allowed anybody who was willing to step up, we'd, we'd give you a, a place of responsibility, a place of leadership to be part of. And to this day, we still have that opportunity to anybody who wants to uh, engage us in a meaningful way. But what happened was, and it was almost uh, it was it was almost uncanny. But there was a a falling out. Um, some individuals didn't like certain things, and 
and all of a sudden accusations started flying around and, and some of the core people that I was working with um, we started having differences and uh, at one point uh, one of these people had left and we did everything to get this person back and, and then and they came back and at one point it got so horrible that one of the people decided that they were going to uh, seek to have me removed and they were going to take over and be the president and I thought to myself wow here we are <laughs> we've, I guess we've grown up as a group because now this crazy bullshit is happening here and um, you know at the time I almost never watched TV and, and for whatever reason I, I had turned on some history channel thing and I was reading a book or doing something and I was listening to this thing and it was a story about General Washington, George Washington and at one point he during the Revolutionary War there was a general that had won a battle and at the time General Washington had lost a battle and this general decided that you know George Washington was loved and respected and um, you know he, he was a leader that people wouldn't follow. They wanted to follow his leadership. He was uh, an amazing individual, if you, if you learn about him. Anyways, uh, this other general decided that he wanted to be the commander of the, of the army, and um, the people came to Washington and said, hey, guess what's going on here? And George Washington said, really, if you want to do this, then let's cast your vote now. Because either you're going to do this and you're going to follow me, or I'm going to get the hell out and you can go follow him. And it was funny because, you know, I was listening half-assed, and all of a sudden something just caught my, caught my attention. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I need to, I, this is the answer. And so um, I, that's what I said. I said I went, and I went to the other leadership, and I said, all right, here's what's going down. And what do you want to do? I says we're going to put this thing to a vote. Either we're going to, we're we're not going to have broken ranks. We're not going to have a, a, a great organization that's doing great work that isn't willing to work together. If you're going to follow me and let me lead, then God bless it. Let's do it. If you want to follow this other person, um, no problem. I'll walk away and let you do it. But I'm not going to. Uh, be part of something that, in my opinion, is rotten, and that would have been rotten, in my opinion. It, it's, this person didn't know the organization. How do you lead something you don't even know? And so we did. We put it to the vote. And uh, some of my board members were such uh, vehement supporters that they actually made the motion to have this person removed. And it was, I, I think, I don't know if it's recorded, but, boy, it was a hell of a, Hell of a listen to, and um, it was interesting to watch how everybody voted. And uh, looking back, the people that were really truly part of the human solution and were really truly got the human solution and really were were were, were the human solution, um, they stayed, and a handful left. And it was really sad to watch how it happened because it happened in a really unprofessional way, ultimately. Um, but, and this is the important part, 
the elections were set. Every two years, the election came through. So we had an interim board meeting. We identified what was going to happen. We filled the gaps that needed to be filled in the next election that came through. We took really seriously. And out of that last election two years ago, I believe we built uh, the strongest board, the strongest leadership team that we've ever had. And I'm so very proud to be part of it. So now we're coming back up to it again. And I have uh, uh, talked about it. We have a number of people that are running for the offices. We actually have a true election this year, um, not, not election of uh, somebody needs to do it, as we've had in years past. We have a number of good and qualified people uh, willing to do these jobs, and I don't want it to stop. We're going to be uh, holding the election in about a month and a half, and I really want anybody and everybody who feels that they are truly part of the human solution in the way that, um, that I do um, to step up. You know, what we need right now is more people that get it, more people willing to do what it takes to move us forward. And I believe that the core that we have is strong enough to, to keep moving and, and build on, but I think that that act of saying, you know what, I'm willing to commit, because trust me, you don't get paid, you will be asked to do more, and there will be responsibility for what you do. It's a commitment and it's accountability, and it's not necessarily easy or fun, but what it is, is worth it. What it is is rewarding because we are changing history. And when prohibition does finally come down, and I'm not talking about the law happening, but when prohibition finally ends, when we finally recognize cannabis as something that's okay, we will have had a part of it, a giant part of it. And that's what you're part of. When, when you decide that you want to be part of the team, part of the leadership, and being membership is important. Trust me, I'm... I'm all for that. Pay dues, become a member, be a volunteer. Unfortunately, uh, we have way too many Hardway members, but being a Hardway member is valid. But step up. Help us finish the job. If you can help us finish the job, we can celebrate for the rest of our lives. Imagine how the world will be after we win. Imagine the people that won't have to suffer because they don't have to be afraid of getting in trouble because of taking a medicine <coughs> that could help them and not hurt them without worrying about losing their job, losing their license, losing their credentials, going to jail, losing their property, losing their kids, and all the other terrible things that can and do happen. We can make that world. And that's what I want to see. I want to see the people that are listening and going, yeah, well, why don't you Put your money where your mouth is. Step up. Be a part of it. You know, a lot of people out on the fringe, a lot of cheerleaders, hey, that's great. Anything is good. I'd rather you do something than nothing. But why not take it a step further? Why not help us finish the job? I'd love to hear about it. All right, we got 13 minutes left, and I've taken way too much time once again to, to make a point. I hope you found it informative and maybe even entertaining, but... It is the truth, and it is important, and it is one of the main reasons I do this show. I want to end Prohibition. I'd love to do a show just talking about shit. It wasn't focused so much on this one goal. I would love to have so many other things I could talk about. I could talk about the plant itself, the medicine. I could talk forever. 
but we got to finish the job first. All right, we got Pete Yapel, and we got George Martirano, Creed Leffler, and Tom Corby. I got a funny feeling we're going to go a little bit long today. We only got 12 minutes, 21 seconds to make it happen. So let's go to George Martirano because sometimes he doesn't have a, a good, clear signal. Hell, last time he had to go a mile back to get his phone, so hopefully his phone is in good shape and he's got a good signal. George Martirano is a leader by design. This man has um, led by example. He leads by inspiration. Uh, he leads by direction. He sees uh, things for what they are in a way that only somebody who's been through some of the things that he's been through can get. George and I are brothers from another mother. Um, we get this together in, in, in such a way. George is a, is a Human Solution member for life. And not just because he served 32 years in prison, but because of the way he is, the way he gets this, the way um, the way that it's about more than him, and that's what's important. So, George, as always, welcome to the show. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. Hey, today. hey good evening, my West Coast friends. Uh, today, I want to share with you a special day. Uh, it was my mom's 90th birthday today. So. Whoa. And uh, we had a great uh, we had a great day. Uh, I just uh, stood with her most of the day and interacted, and uh, and we took her to a great restaurant in the neighborhood. But the most reward, rewarding thing was that uh, you know I uh, went to talk to some people in another part of the restaurant, and uh, people were uh, paying attention to her, and uh, and she got in the conversation and. Uh, I was listening to the conversation, and uh, it really, uh, really uh, made me proud. She was actually uh, telling the people about, uh, you know, I went to jail for so long, the cannabis, thirty-two plus years, and uh, and then she was saying that uh, she was talking about, you know, a ninety-year-old woman, and she got the correct enunciation that, uh, about CBDs. Imagine that. You know, usually they stumble because CBD is, you know, unless you, you say it every day, you talk about it, you know, it can, you can, can catch it. You start saying CWT, CPP, you know, and she, she was right on it. She said CBDs and how it helps people, especially elderly people like her. And she was saying, my son's going to open a shop and he's there to basically just to help people. And, and he's, you know, he went, he's not bitter. And she said, uh, it just made me so proud. I wanted to share that with everyone. And, uh, you know, what I'm trying to say is, you know, it's not, you know, radio's great, TV's great. You know, uh, I'm on a lot of stages. But, you know, she hears me uh, when I bring people into the home, my home, when we talk, especially if they're ill, and we we discuss how the CBD can help them and, uh, and uh, you know, I tell them to get a get a touch with uh, Joe at Willow Creek Springs, and they they listen. So, and uh, you know, every every if you just like we said this before, if you just every day, every day if you could just educate one person, that person goes on to educate another person, and that's how you grow, and you grow and you grow. And like I was listening to the show, I, eventually it's going to be it's going to be over one day and uh, you know I did a lot of time and uh, and uh, it's not the reward it's not it's, it's not the reward that uh, 
that you want. You know, it's the life. Everyone to have a life, I like Joe just said, without fear. It's so important. But it's 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 every day. Every day you have to speak to somebody. Every day. I was just traveling the last few days, and uh, basically that's what I did. Everyone I speak to about you know how cannabis, uh, CBDs, how it's there to help. It's not it's not there to party. It's not there uh, to or enjoyment. And you know that's that was the that was the scenario for so many decades. But it's not. So I'm going to share that with everyone, and uh, I'm not going to talk too long. So, you know, when people, people, when you speak, people listen. So say the right things. Say the right things, ladies and gentlemen. Joe, I know I've had a short time. you got to see all these other guys. Tell uh, Liz, tell DD out there, send my love. And I'll Absolutely. be so pleased to see you, brother. Right now, and Liz is uh, right here as well. So, uh, George, always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, you're right. When you talk, people listen. And even if one or two or five people listen, um, we're, we're always representing something wherever we go. So, um, I'm so always proud. great. Listen to, yeah, listen to my mom explain the things that she hears <laughs> me relate to other people. Well, I'm so, so glad to hear your mom's doing good. And uh, I know she went through some rough, rough times a little while ago, so I'm I'm glad she's out there yeah, uh, right. to enjoy your birthday. All right. Take care, everybody. See you next week. All right. Thanks, George. Once again, George Martirano with his words of wisdom today. All right. So let's go ahead, and we're going to do Pete Yaple, and then we'll go to Creed Leffler, and then Tom Corby to finish out the show. Pete Yaple from New York. Welcome to the show. Hey. How are you doing today? Oh, great, Joe, you. I'm doing great, Joe. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing actually a lot better. I started the show up in a bit of a funk, but... Uh, oh, I know. Uh, I've been listening to you, brother. <laughs> talking it out. I said, and, I've been uh, listening to you. You picked it up. <laughs> talking it out and and uh, just, just uh, being part of the, the, the family that gathers around. Uh, it's good for the soul, so I, I definitely am. I, I feel a lot better now than I did when I started the show. That's awesome, brother. Hey, listen. Well, I took yesterday off. I mean, a lot of people say, "Why did you take a day off?" It was Tuesday. Well, I haven't had a day off in months. So what's the difference? Right. <laughs> I say every day's a Monday. We can be doing something. But listen, I heard a couple things. Uh, obviously, uh, one thing I want to I want to bring up. Uh, that Glenn, what you had said, Glenn had mentioned, let's march on Washington. Well, have you ever seen a bunch of sick people march? It's not very pretty, and it doesn't happen often. <laughs> That's why we don't march on freaking Washington people. The people fighting the fight are the sick people. We have all we can do to fight the fight. We can't get up and go to Washington. And, you know, million men marches, million women marches, you know, grab your vagina marches, whatever. They've all worked, yeah. But we can't march. <laughs> For Christmas sakes, we can't march. Uh, that's why it doesn't happen. Would it be a great idea? Would it be an awesome thing to see, you know, millions of us just standing there, you know, and saying, hey, you know, fuck you, what you say, this is how it's supposed to be. Uh, but but I, just, I just can't see a million sick people marching on Washington, although I would go. Uh, that I will say. And then wh- another thing I heard you, when you were saying is, you know, uh, uh, being allowed. 
you know, and now we have 37 states, this, that, and the other thing. You know, and everybody gets up in arms once they find out what law they voted for. Read what you're voting for. Get involved in what you're voting for. You want to make a change, you have to be with the people that make the changes, people. You know, I, I asked for a letter, everybody write a letter a few weeks ago. don't know if anybody's got a chance to do it. Again, who am I to ask anybody to do anything? But when people ask me, what can I do to make a difference? Well, maybe if you wrote your senator, you could make a difference. Maybe if enough of us wrote our senators, we could make a difference. Letter writing is very simple, but it's a, it's a forgotten, forgotten thing. The next thing I happen to do is to do. And that's look up old words. And, and a word kept coming up to me all night tonight. So I was just curious as to what the definition of the words are. And the word is law. Uh, and law, by definition, is a system of rules that a particular country or community recognized as regulating the actions of its members and may enforce by imposition of penalties. Okay, that's one definition. But the very next definition, which I truly believe relates to cannabis, states that it's a statement of fact deducted from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific phenomenon always occurs if certain conditions are present. Well, when people are ill and we give them cannabis, they, they get better. <laughs> so contradiction to the law. But, but once again, what we have to understand is being governed and allowing ourselves to be governed it, it can never is not what we were supposed to be as a country, guys. We weren't supposed to be that. We were supposed to be the words. We were supposed to be the words heard. Uh, uh, and how do we do that? Like you say, how do we do it in new ways that we already haven't? How come? Yeah, we started a how come campaign. Eh, people did it for a few days and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, again, that's Facebook. You know, it's Facebook. So. Um, we've got to we've got to come up with viable ways that we're in the community. Like, like me now, I mean, New York is a, is a murderous place to be in the cannabis industry right now, because there's really nothing going on here or what's going on is all wrong. Uh, you know, I got asked today, what'd you do today? I said, well, I don't know. I helped a guy that had some, I helped a guy that had melanoma. I helped a guy that's with, with seizures. I helped a guy. And, and the guy says, when are you going to just go get your, you know, degree, you know, and become a doctor. I go, I can't become a doctor. What are you kidding me? I said, and take an oath that I'll never, ever, ever, ever be able to uphold, like the first line in it, never poison someone. You poison somebody every day every time you push your pen. What do you think you're doing good or not? So I, I, I don't know. Listen, we all just have to do what we can do, Joe. And like you said, if enough of us get pissed off, Maybe the live words will get heard, you know. It all, that's what it all boils down to. But unfortunately, again, the sick are the people driving the bus. And the sick people are having a hard time. No, it's absolutely true, Pete. And, and I'm glad you took a day off. I, you know, you, <laughs> you, push yourself, you push yourself harder than I do. And it's only because I used to push myself as hard as you do. But one day... I realized if I don't take some days off every once in a while, 
I, I, I go until I fall apart, and then I get hurt or something happens, and then it, it, it's, it's, it's worse. So I force myself. It's not hard to do, but I, I discipline myself to take days off now. I take every Sunday off, come hell or high water. And it's the That's best right. thing I, I ever did. I don't, to... <laughs> I don't want to be paying too much an hour to talk to you on that day either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know it, it enables me to uh, endure a lot more, go a lot longer, a lot harder, and be more focused on what I'm doing. And, and so, um, you know, it, it, if, you can, if you can take the time to, to give yourself what you need uh, to recuperate and rest. I know you, you're a dynamo like I am. I mean, I have seemingly un- unlimited energy, but I also know that when you go for longer and longer and longer, at one point you're less effective. And at that's one point right. you start that's making mistakes because we're all human. That's right. And, and listen, I, I was going to say when you said, glad you took a day, I was going to say, you know, I actually laid down yesterday and didn't do much of anything. Every time work came Good. up or something business, I got up and walked away. I went downstairs, you know, Good. and then I came Good. back up and, and I ate, you know, but I felt so much better today. I got shit accomplished, you know, because that's why I stopped because I wasn't getting anything accomplished. You know, I felt like I was just spinning my wheels. So I, hear you. I finally I hear just, you. I finally said, you know, let's park the car for a minute. Let's give it a little gas and, and let's get with it tomorrow. And, and like I said, today was a great day. So, well, good for you. I'm, I'm glad you got a little rest. And uh, we're gonna keep on marching. We're in official overtime now, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep the, keep the boat moving forward, and uh, we'll get to the other side of this. Well, Pete, as always, um, it's always great to be working with you. Why don't you give a shout out? How people can reach you when you are back to work, which is most of the time. <laughs> if you have a legal case, reach out to us at Solidarity Over Separation, the Human Solutions New York chapter. If you need us for any other reason, please visit us at canowetalk420.com. Our services, our industry people are on there. Joe's on there. We've got people all across the country that we work with. But, so please you know, take advantage of, you know, of the, off, the things that are offered to you, you know, the services offered. Obviously, this, uh, everybody that's in the New York area, on um, and and this is like like you got to do it quick, guys, because there are very few tickets left, if there are any at all. Uh, there's an event being held in Marlboro, New York, on the 24th through the 26th. That's right, a three-day music event. They're going to have in Marlboro. Uh, it's uh, August 24th through 26th. Yeah, and, I mean they're doing a silent disco. It's going to be an awesome event, and obviously we're doing the media there. Solidarity will be represented, as well as Cannabis Country and Cannabis Talk, Can We Talk. And uh, we hope to see you guys there. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, Pete Yapel, folks, he is everywhere doing everything. I uh, am, am so pleased that we've uh, landed together and are, have been working together for a while now, and uh, we're just that much stronger. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, building this team uh, a little bit deeper and, you know, getting a few troops behind each of us so we can really start making a difference and put a dent in this. All right, once again, Pete Yapel from New York. All right, we got Creed Leffler up next and then Tom Corby to close the show down. Creed, welcome to the show. Oh, good. I don't need to anymore. 
Hi guys, how are you? Doing great, doing great. We're uh, we're we're in a little bit of overtime, but I hear you have some big news for us. Yeah, I'm to read the read the message. Hi, Cup of Joe. It's Joe. This is Creed. I have a big update for you. We now have six thousand six hundred and thirty signatures. But the even bigger news I have is one of my connections got me a meeting with Wiz Khalifa, which means I need to conduct a poll on tonight's live feed. The question is, if Wiz Khalifa promotes the petition, how many signatures do you think we will have on Sunday morning? My goal is 8,000. I know that's aiming kind of low, but it's better to aim low and get higher than not. I would also like to thank the customer service at Leafly, Natalie, Amanda, Cody, and Corey for putting up with my calls on a daily basis, especially back when I was trying to get in contact with Wiz's people, put in a lot of hard work in regards to that. They went above and beyond. So, again, thanks, guys. Oh, that is fantastic. Well, I'm going to venture a guess a little higher than yours. I'm going to say 10,000. And I, I think that, um, you know what, I, I, I go the other direction. I, I reach for the stars, and, and wherever I land, I land. But I, I'm, that's exciting. You know, Creed, it's, it's been really great to watch you. Um, you've been coming on the show. You've been coming on other shows. And you're, you're, people would say, I, I'm sure plenty of people would say, uh, if, if they were to look at your situation and look at your uh, you know, just just the obstacles that you have to overcome. They people that have no obstacles at all don't try nearly as hard as you do. And when I watch, and I and I say it all the time, I say the people that 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 have the hardest route end up doing the most. And so here you are. You you put the uh, you put the petition together. You've been coming on the shows talking about it. We've been helping gather signatures. You talked about this Wiz Khalifa concert, uh, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, I think. And um, you put the word out that you're trying to get in touch, and now look at it. You did it. So congratulations, and um, I I will see. uh, Lisa's not here with me today because of the fires out here. California's on fire, and she's uh, got to stay close to some people that are near her. Um, because of the fire, they might be evacuated. So um, I will hopefully, we're already in overtime, so hopefully we'll be able to get somebody to put that poll up. But either way, um, everybody that's listening, uh, go ahead and just put it out there. Uh, Let's see how many you think that, uh, how many signatures you think that we can get if Wiz Khalifa comes out in support of this petition, which I'm fairly confident is going to happen. I can't taste it this way. That's how I got the connection. That's, that's how I got the meeting. I can't taste this way. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear how it happens. And, um, you know, keep on doing the good work. I'm, I look forward to hearing hearing how this meeting went. So, uh Keep keep on keeping on, my friend. It's it's my Boy, I didn't catch that. Operator, can you help us? 
If I remember. If I remember. Oh, <laughs> excellent. All right, well, thank you so much, Creed. And I know you're going to remember. So, uh, once again, folks, Creed Leffler, he's got his petition out there. Um, and, you know, let's let's get this changed on a federal level. That's what it's all about. So uh, let's end prohibition today. Creed Leffler, I appreciate you being on the show. we got to move along, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right. All right, folks, it's that time again. NorCal Report, Tom Corby, live and with us. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, oh, thank you, Joe. Uh, we're doing okay despite all the fires and up in NorCal and other Southern Cal and NorCal's burning. Uh, I understand you have a fire uh, close by down there right now. Is that true, Joe? Oh, yeah, we're getting rained on by ash right now. It's about 20 miles out, but it's uh, the winds are blowing our way. And luckily, the hills are not really between us. My hills behind me are not currently in danger, but um, the the fire that's burning is on the other side of, 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 a, of a small valley. So I'm not in imminent danger right now, but the air is horrible. The, the ashes are raining down all over the place, and it blacked out the sun. Yeah, well, we're fortunate up here, too, that we're just getting ash and smoke. And I want to send prayers out to all those losing their lives and homes. Uh, When we talk about legalization, I finally got it. Uh, It's more laws and regulations that screw us mom-and-pop growers. Uh, What I like to think about uh, legalization, maybe it is. I see some places as a step. To finally end in prohibition. I want to thank Coffee Bar Radio Show and all those on the front line coming together to finally end prohibition for your POWs. No one should be going to jail for a plant. Uh, we actually have a, a new case uh, up here in Northern California, New County in Oroville, of <laughs> uh, a, a friend county. Uh, we were at a function down in Oroville with our uh, uh, friend Tito, who plays music. And uh, the first thing that we did is just advocate with them. Uh, it, 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 we, we kind of enlightened them about their case. They got a, about 250 plants. His wife up in uh, Berry Creek, which goes well. Um, they have two uh, doctor's recommendations, which, by the way, still applies, folks. Uh, keep those uh, records up to date with your doctors. You cannot be stepping over doctors. Um, so we advocated with them. Uh, thankfully, they have very good representation up here in Butte County with Jodea Foster uh, and uh, Kevin Sear. And uh, they're already getting the discussion. Uh, we always talk about how important discovery is. Uh, you can't. Uh, work your case unless you know exactly what's happening to you and what they're charging. Uh, so get all your discovery, and they can't take you to trial, and they have to give you all the discovery. The police report is your first discovery. Get copies, uh, have the clerk start working it, uh, start a statement. And uh, so they're gonna, they have a tomorrow, they have a meeting with their attorneys, and they're going to call us. 
uh, they're going to come over. We're going to get together and uh, work on their case. And we always tell the feminists, we'll work 50-50 with you on your case. Uh, when we talk about the tribulation of the human delusion uh, and what we do, uh, I want to uh, shout out to the, the GHSI board and team that's doing such a great job right now. I have no reason to vote otherwise, and uh, thank you all for what you do. Uh, I want to thank everybody for volunteering uh, to, to come together and put our wrists aside. Uh, together we stand, and uh, we are sacred plan. Uh, thank you all today. Get to breathe. <laughs> all right, Tom Corby, always a pleasure. I want to thank everybody that's been a part of this show and uh, and everybody that gets what this show is really about and has decided to, um, you know, be a part of this team. Anyways, uh, we'll see you all next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.